0: Now it's time to talk about everything dogs, cats, and other domestic animals. This is Animal Talk. Here are Dr. Dan Lang and Dr. Katie O'Brien on the Big 550 KTRS.
1: Welcome back to Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang. I'm Connor McCarthy here with you talking dogs, cats, pets, anything of that nature on the Sunday before Thanksgiving Dr. Lang, do you have any big Thanksgiving Day plans this week?
2: Well, I just plan on eating, so that's about as uh, far (laughs) as I get. My wife has six siblings, but I think between one of the siblings' family, we'll be
1: visiting them. So you go somewhere, you don't host. Yes,
2: and a lot of times they kind of force leftovers on us, and that's... The only polite thing to do is to take them, of course. They force them on. You. Yes, I mean you don't. You don't want
1: them. You force them on you. I'm just being polite. Sure. Uh, anything? Do you do anything with the for the animals out there on on the uh, on the range? Well, they may
2: get a few extra treats on Thanksgiving. Okay. But uh, they they're enjoying the weather right now. It's nice.
1: It and is nice. I it's tell them the cold nice weather is around the corner, but you know, as usual, they just ignore me. But uh, what do you yep. do when it gets cold out there? Do you, they do they all? stay outside we have a bar some barn kind of heater? a lot of them
2: are in the barn sometimes we put the heater but a lot of times just protection
1: from the wind is uh, is enough. enough to kind of keep the temperatures more more moderate for okay them. uh in terms of you know animals that the uh, you know the average person might have i you know not saying the average person doesn't have a mule but you know <laughs> i would say that they, they probably don't uh <laughs> dogs or cats is there anything to look out for for thanksgiving you know we know they can't eat stuff is there you know oh well you know oh you know you can't they, they're really not supposed to have turkey well
2: i always smile on the day let's say we go through the weekend usually monday morning i'm ready for all kinds of dogs coming in for vomiting diarrhea that everybody sees that cute little dog and you know they probably haven't eaten in minutes and so they oh, sure. deserve a treat of some <laughs> sort and of course the person next to them didn't realize that they already got one treat you know, and the dogs know kind of how to go down the line of people mm-hmm. around the table. Right. Or some of them are kind of messy like myself, and they just sit under the table, and they get a fair share that just hits the floor unexpectedly. Sure. So,
1: so, it's, not so really, it's not really a, an item they can't have, but it, you know, you got to watch the overfeeding. Right? It's just kind of a change of food. I mean, most
2: of the foods are probably rich. Yeah, you can give a little bit of turkey. That's That's not a problem, but a lot of times they get the dressing and— Maybe a little pumpkin pie mm-hmm. or something hits, you know, just a little bit. It's, it's yeah. not very much. Well, so. sure,
1: right. <laughs> but as long as there's nothing out there, like, oh, you know, cranberries are um. actually poisonous for cats. You know, not nothing like that.
2: Some of us younger people, not myself, no, I do write like cranberries, but a lot of kids don't. And animals are kind of the same way. It's well, they're bitter, bitter enough. They're
1: very bitter. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they're not really into that. You know, I got to say, I actually like the canned cranberry yes. sauce that comes out in like the the can yes, shape. I. That's uh, all we had growing up. I know it's probably not very uh, <laughs> healthy or you know, nutritious. nutritious or real, but it tastes good. I, that's what I want. Well, like. that's the bottom line. That's no, what it's all yeah, about. that's what it's all about. Uh, th- so, this kind of goes into what something I saw as well. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this, Dr. Lang, or if any of you out there listening have seen this, but there's been a lot of dog and cat food that's been getting recalled for salmonella, uh, which, you know, it, it makes sense, For me, people don't want to eat salmonella, but I always associate it with raw foods. Right. And, you know, you kind of don't think about how animals can't eat raw foods. So what's the problem with salmonella there, Dr. Lang?
2: Well, rarely is it life-threatening, but it can really upset the digestive tract. So some vomiting, especially diarrhea, is the main issue. Maybe they're off food for a day or two. Maybe they do need to be hospitalized if they get dehydrated. but. That's kind of been my thought with the raw food all along, that, you know, they always tell us humans not to eat raw chicken because it's potentially salmonella, and I just feel like it's kind of the same with the so raw it, food. So it kind
1: of ends up being the same problems with that, the That's pets. my opinion. Now, I know a lot of people seem to do fine
2: with the raw food, and, again, if the dog's doing well, I, you know, what can I say? Just mm-hmm. go ahead and do it, but that is my underlying concern, that there will be some contamination of the meat, and, and the animals will get get sick from from that
1: right i wonder how common that is maybe if 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 you've ever had that happen to your dog you can call in 314-931-5877 that's the phone line or the text line is eight four one two six. you can text in you tell us about the raw food your your dogs eat with no problem or with problems uh you know i like to hear we like to hear feedback about these things we talk about from the actual people out there right dr lang of
2: course i always want feedback from people you know, a lot of my stuff I learn is from the books, and um, it's not always the same as real life. So, or if somebody disagrees with something, if you can just be rational about it, non-emotional, but just, you know, get back to us and let us know what their thoughts are on it. Again, I think a lot of the, going back to the food, a lot of the boutique foods I don't think are well-cooked, as opposed to, I know people are against the kibble, many people are against kibble foods, but those are extremely steamed, high-pressure foods that are cooked and I just don't think any bacteria would survive with that. So, again, the major dog foods, cat foods, I just think are cooked enough that salmonella rarely is a, is a problem. But mm-hmm. I do worry more about the boutique foods that are specially made for the humans to look at as well as for the animals. Right. And I'm concerned what the processing is with, uh, with that. But I don't have a lot of information, so I'm not trying to badmouth. I'm just saying, why personal concerns as a veterinarian and as a pet owner is as well
1: so it is a problem it is something to look into uh i don't have the brand name that they're recalling in front of me but they're out there and you see them every couple of months you know
2: this brand recalls and telling
1: us about it if something does come up so Mm -hmm. uh now i know it's been a while but you said you know you learned a lot from the books and you know you had to learn differently once you got out there uh I won't say how many years it's been for you, Dr. Well, We've known each
2: other long enough. You know, (laughs) certain things to do and not
1: do. But uh, is there anything that springs to mind? You know, they taught you this in the books, but as soon as you got out there, you know, that was completely different. That, you know, that was nothing like what they taught me. Well, the thing I
2: remember is more financial, that most people, if they're going to the vet school for a second opinion, they probably have the books already. They knew it's going to be expensive. And so I just kind of thought all pet owners would. You know, whatever our recommendation is, that's, you know, they're going to be fine with it. It'd be no problem. And, of course, you get hit pretty hard that, Doc, I'm going to have to look for a shortcut of some sort or not do anything at all. And so I think the financial thing is the main hit me over the head that it's a little different in the real world versus those that uh, have the money to back something serious or Mm -hmm. that needs a second opinion or specialist
1: now you know has that changed at all over the years we we talk a lot about things that change uh from then and now you know back then i don't want to say any blanket statements but it seems like you know a, pet care animal care was less developed less yep. refined than it is now. Uh, I don't want to say people cared about their pets list. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. It was just a different idea. It was just idea. a different idea. Yeah, yeah. So is that change? Have you it seen that? You know, now actually more people are willing to spend that kind of money. Uh, yes. or is it not? It it it's still all around,
2: but a lot more people and I've talked to veterinarians maybe haven't been out as long as I have, maybe they've been out ten years and they've noticed a change in that relatively short period of time Even in as that, well. Yeah. So I just think people bond with it. A lot of people all they have is that animal and so maybe either they have more money or they're gonna do just about anything fairly possible mm-hmm. to try to get things turned turned around. But I think there's a much stronger bond than in the past and so I think that has changed. But as an example, eight years ago we bought a digital X ray machine and in thirty seconds after we take the picture it's just a beautiful X ray, but it cost us seventy six thousand oh. dollars to get that. And of course we have to pay that those type of charges on to the to the client so sure. i'm just using that as an example there's a lot more sophisticated you know now they're doing cat scans ultrasound i never really even knew what that was when i was in vet school and now i bet once a week we refer somebody in the past the ultrasound would come to our clinic but now we more refer and it's much almost commonplace, like taking blood or doing a regular x-ray mm-hmm. so there's a lot more technology involved as well but i think most people have adapted and are, are willing to pay for it.
1: I'd almost think that the ultrasound would be easier to get done, right? Isn't that kind of, you know, they, you know, cat scan is getting a big, big machine, right? Uh, yep. You know, the ultrasound is right there. Is that easier for the cat or for the yes, pets uh, to do the, to do an ultrasound?
2: A lot of times we have to, let's, yeah, most of the time we clip the bottom part of the body of the hair, kind of put a gel on to make the ultrasound more efficient. And so that's pretty much it. Most animals do, do very well mm-hmm. with it. Of course, we're maybe given a tiny little t- try to distract them a little bit sure. during the ultrasound. But, um, no, that's it's we have good luck with animal cooperation on that. So, so why time. did
1: it, that – because that, that, that technology has been around for a while. Why did it take well, so long to start using that uh, for animals?
2: I think – I always say that veterinary medicine is about 20 years behind human medicine. Mm-hmm. And so – Again, I know you've been very polite to me, but forty years when I came out, we didn't even at the vet school we didn't. I don't remember seeing the ultrasound or
1: used on a regular basis. Even though, I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how, exactly how long this has been around. It's been around for a while yep. for use with uh, for people. Did they just not think to use it with animals? Like this wouldn't help, or you know, would, you know, it's too expensive. What I think I think probably a combination of all that. I mean, okay. it does take
2: some training to do that to read an ultrasound you know the mechanics are fairly simple but to actually read an ultrasound is Mm -hmm. requires some expertise on that and we you know we just didn't get anything on ultrasound and i just don't really remember anything so i think it's just kind of expertise and time and we sometimes and we shouldn't we sometimes make decisions for our pet owners we think oh they can't afford it so we don't even offer it Mm -hmm. and you know that's just the wrong way to to go about it, I mean, if they refuse it, they can't afford it. I mean, probably a lot of times an ultrasound for animals from a specialist is five to six hundred dollars, so that's a good chunk of change. Sure, yeah. but you, you can offer it because it gives us a lot more information than just the X-ray
1: does. Yeah, I was going to ask. So, what was done back back then before kind of these? I think ultrasounds. we did more exploratories.
2: I think we just went in and to see
1: what's, see, what's see what's going, going on. on. If
2: there were some questions, or we know the animal's not feeling well. But uh, the x rays we have and the, the technology, we just couldn't get any more answers.
1: And sometimes you just go in and just see what's, what's going on. So that is kind of surprising to hear that. I, I feel like that would be more expensive than finding some other test, you know? Well, you it would be more expensive, surgery. but I'm
2: just saying we just didn't have it at the time for whatever yeah. reason. We didn't have the technology of the ultrasound. And so we just, our options were more limited. And if x rays or blood work didn't give us an idea. Then you just go
1: in. Yeah. Sounds like a lot has changed uh, it from has, then indeed. to now. Uh, I
2: think all of us in human medicine and all in our occupations, we could all tell stories how things yeah. have changed and continue to change.
1: And that's what makes it so neat. Do you ever run into friction with uh, maybe some younger vets coming through that, you know, they don't even know the, the way things, you, you know, used to be done? And is there is there any problems there or is that just... Am I over? Am I no,
2: I, I think I was going to be a smart aleck, and I think in some cases they just don't really care. You know, I've read stories about present baseball players, not all of them, but they have no idea how some of the old how baseball players from the 60s or 70s, their names or what they did or anything mm-hmm. like that. I mean, we're all kind of concentrating in, in the present or the future. The other thing is that a lot of times they don't have the expertise, the younger veterinarians, and so oh, my God, we got to do a CAT scan, got to do an ultrasound, got to do blood work. And I look at the animal, get the clinical signs, give a thorough exam, and sometimes I can give an answer without having to go through all the technology.
1: Kind of a reliance just on just the there. there.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too many veterinarians, maybe younger, uh, rely too much on technology and, again, not experience and going by common sense and just what you've learned
1: through the years. Post school, sure. Yeah, do you ever tell them? Uh, you know, hey, don't do this. Don't use the ultra. I don't. I bet that doesn't go very well with. Uh, no, you the, have to be kind of diplomatic. Or the pet or, owner, right? You can't if say if I start
2: tell them well, back in my day. Right. Just like one of my parents said that. It kind of turns you off And I'm sure you
1: can't tell the pet owner, well, we have an ultrasound, but we're teaching the vet a lesson today, and he's going to not use it. Uh, We'll
2: pull him out the door and then maybe give him that little lecture, but uh, not in front of the pet owner.
1: (laughs) Not in front of the pet owner. All right. This is Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS. 314-931-5877 is the phone line. 84126 is the text line. If you want to text in your questions or comments about anything pet related, we will do our best to answer them. Uh, We're going to take our first break here at 2, just about 2.19. This is Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS. We'll be back in a minute.
3: Boy, the heat and the humidity of the summer is gone. We can open up the windows and enjoy some of that fresh air. Oh, wait a minute. You can't open up your window? It hasn't been opened up since the Reagan administration. Time for you to get new windows and maybe some new doors. Where do you get windows and doors? Well, you go to the store to get them, the window store. That's right, the window store, WS Window and Door. They've been around a long time. Larry Thornton, the owner, he's trying to retire, but he keeps selling windows. Now, they don't really sell windows. All they do at the window stores, they give you a bid. That's it. That's all they do. And then they'll let their bid do their talking. Every window and door. Is energy efficient? There is no upselling. There is no marketing. Buy one get seventy free or take nine hundred percent off. No, no, no. The window store is a great St. Louis company with great St. Louis people, and all they want to do is give you a bid, and they'll let their bid do their talking for you. So open up that door, open up that window, make the phone call three one four seven three nine zero 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 two or wswindow.net. Barney.
4: The Webster-Kirkwood football game, a tradition every Thanksgiving. We will be in Webster coming up on Monday. We'll preview it with Kirkwood's football coach. And we'll be live at Schnarr's Hardware in Webster Groves, where the popcorn is free. Meet us there or on the radio starting at noon.
0: John Carney,
4: Julie Buck,
0: weekdays at noon on KTRS. The Talk of St. Louis.
4: In the world we live in, addiction is everywhere, but recovery is possible. At Illinois Recovery Center, they treat the addiction, but they
2: also treat you. The professional staff utilizes individual therapy, group therapy, and cognitive behavioral therapy so you can gain control of your thoughts and then gain control of your life. Evidence-based treatment programs can get you on the path to sobriety. The beautiful new facility in Swansea, Illinois, has a safe and inclusive environment when you're ready to break free and live your life please go to illinois recovery center
4: Before you put your home on the market, before you have to pay money fixing it up to sell it, before you have to pay real estate commissions, call me. I'm Mike Robinson with Robank Properties, and I will buy your home. Any property, any condition, anywhere, and always as is. Call me, Mike Robinson with Robank Properties, at 314-283-0867. That's 314-283-0867. You have nothing to lose when you call Robank Properties at 314-283-0867.
3: Let's talk about your tile floor. Are the high traffic areas darker than the other? Hi, everybody. McGraw-Milhaven here for the Grout Medic. That discoloration is years of dirt and buildup. The Grout Medic will professionally clean and then seal your grout so it's one consistent color again, just like the day you installed it. Their sealer protects for 7 to 10 years. 636-317-8860 or online at groutmedicstl.com. You can even change the color of your grout, groutmedicstl.com.
0: Let's get back to information about dogs, cats, even furry hamsters or gerbils. This is Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS, the Animal Talk of St. Louis.
1: Welcome back to Animal Talk, on the Big 550 KTRS, we've been talking about a few things here, Thanksgiving Day plans, uh, some things, the way things were back in the day. That topic <laughs> comes up a lot, Dr. Lang, I feel like. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's interesting to talk about how things changed. Uh, during the break, we had a caller call in. Uh, go ahead. You're on line one on the Big 550. You there? Hello? Tony? Hello? Hello? You're on the Big 550.
5: Yeah, I always want to make sure you... Okay, uh, I've got a, a... My girlfriend has a dog. I'm not sure what it is. It's like a, a mixed Rottweiler type dog. And want to understand that the dog was abused before my girlfriend got it. She kind of got it as a... You know, keep it from being uh, euthanized, whatever. Um... But the only time we put it in a, in a cage is when she's at work and when we're feeding them, because otherwise she's got other dogs that, that get aggressive. But the problem is when we put it in the cage and we're sweeping or cleaning, the dog goes nuts inside the cage when you're trying to sweep around the cage or mop around the cage. He just goes nuts inside that cage. And I'm kind of curious to see if, if there's something that he can do. Um, and Plus, he, he does go a little crazy when he's not in the cage, you're trying to sweep or mop. He'll uh, uh, it's kind of like bite in the, mirror, in the broom or the mop. But he won't go nuts and outside of the cage, but he will inside the cage. So... I guess he was abused with a mop or a broom or something inside a cage or something, or I
2: don't know. Sometimes something bad can happen to an animal when there is like a, a vacuum or a mop or something going on, and a lot of times the animals will associate that negative experience with what you're trying to do. I don't know. Can you take the pet outside, can one person or somebody take the pet outside while the cleaning is going on? Just try to avoid that particular situation.
5: Uh, yeah, I guess we could do that, but I was just trying to figure out uh, if there's something we can do to try to, uh, you know, uh, let the dog know that we're not trying to abuse him in any way, uh, you know, I would just I go ahead. We can do that certainly, but, you know, to let him know that we're not doing anything to it.
2: I would just at times just leave the door open and maybe put some treats or a food puzzle or something where the dog has to or a a chewy where the dog has to spend some time working on the food and just make it more of a positive experience you know don't have the mop or anything else around and just do the treats and see if that'll help do it to make it a more a positive again you can give medicines to kind of tranquilize them a little bit while that's going on that may take the edge off as well but I just think you need to make it more of a positive experience. And if most dogs are like me, food will do it. And so I think you need to place food in that cage and then just really praise the dog when it does go in or sniff around.
5: Well, I'd rather just, if, if nothing else, I'd rather just take them outside than give them any kind of or you know. Was you trying to maybe, you know, just uh, uh, something to... So he doesn't do that, you know, because he, he bites the cage. I mean, he, he will literally uh, bend the cage with
2: his teeth. I don't think you're going to be able to turn around that kind of behavior, you know, getting upset being in the cage. So I think we need to consider some other things, as we've talked about. But I don't think you're going to be able to reverse that, that behavior. I th- just think it's too ingrained in the animal.
1: All right. Uh, thanks for calling in. Yeah, you know we've talked about this a couple times before, Doctor Wang, and I, I know his uh, his kind of like maybe he had some w- some wind coming through the the phone line, so maybe it was hard to hear for some people. But I'll re- I'll repeat what he was saying. You know, the dog was uh, a rescue dog, and you know he goes crazy in the crate when they're they're sweeping right. or cleaning around the house or near the crate. And we've talked about kind of ingrained behaviors like this before and how, you know, you want to change it or how, you know, how can you change it? Or in this case, you just believe it's I think just you just have to redirect the behavior. We just have to have a different environment for the pet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and that can be difficult sometimes too, right? I'm sure it'd be easier just to put the, put the dog in the crate instead of having someone there that can take them outside. Right. Uh, but it, you know, if it, if they're reacting the way he was saying, you know, chewing on the crate, going you know going crazy in there, that does seem to be the best the best way to deal with it, right, Dr Li
2: Right, or could they do they have a small room or something they could put the pet in that maybe mm-hmm. is bigger than a cage, yeah, but I just think taking outside where the dog just doesn't see any semblance of the mopping or if but I get the idea the cage is the problem, and not, not so much the mopping or the cleaning' it's, itself. Really, you think it might be the, the cage being right. the problem? Right, okay. right. That's uh, why I was suggesting the food and that type of yeah. thing to try to make it more of a positive experience. And then, again, I don't mean just to keep offering pills, but a lot of times people want a quick solution. And if you do the positive reinforcement, sometimes you put food by the, the cage, and it it may take days or weeks to get the dog turned around. And most people don't have the time or patience or desire to, to do that. Sure. So, Sometimes if you give them something to take the edge off, maybe the dog would be more tolerant of the cage. But
1: You know, I'm sure it kind of is like someone comes in, so they say they want a quick fix. You say there isn't one outside of drugs, and, you know, right. that's that's the only thing I just thing try to offer all quick. the
2: options. I'm not saying the pills are always the best, but it will
1: take the edge off the animal if, if you do the medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to chew through the crate, is that uh, regular behavior you see if they don't is like it? it uh, I don't it, know if I've ever seen it.
2: I have and I it just strikes I have had dogs come in with broken teeth. Oh. It's more a separation anxiety where the dog is put in a cage, people leave for the day and they come back and you know the, there's broken teeth or blood or even the cage bars have been bent a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the dog is just so anxious and upset that I've seen behavior of that.
1: That, of that kinda sort. gets to making the crate not a place like not you know, a place where they want to be, right? Right. Uh, you know, have it out, you know, have just the, like we did
2: with the the, uh, like the, cats, the, uh, the, the cat carrier, yep. you know,
1: because if you, all you do is bring it out when they're going to the vet, right. they know they're going go to the vet. And in this case, it's
2: like the dog only goes in the cage when the mopping and whatever's going on. We need to present a different type of circumstances, mm-hmm. so maybe the dog wouldn't look upon it as negative. But in this case, the way the gentleman described it, I looked upon the cage as being the problem. But okay. maybe, again, if he has more questions... He can call me or do the email and and And, uh, uh, let's give
1: give that out. DLang (laughs) seventy one at Outlook.com. That's the email. Six three six two seven eight zero four eight five is the phone number. I'd be happy to go in more detail with them. Right. Uh, that's interesting that your first thought was kind of the crate. I think a lot of people would have thought, well, when the broom comes out, he barks. It's the broom. The broom's the problem. But you know,
2: I thought in our conversation you mentioned at times. Just put them in the cage. Try to put them in the cage, and the mop wasn't there. Yeah, the room, you, you, you did mention that. Yeah, and that there wasn't a problem. So, but anyway, if, if I have that wrong, then I'd like to find out. And yeah, maybe give some other suggestions. Uh, a
1: texture texted in uh, while that call was going on that uh, my dogs don't like the sound of the vacuum. Uh, you We're know, <laughs>
2: laughing because we have one dog just goes crazy with yeah, vacuum, and up. they
1: don't. They don't. They leave the room when they, this texture sweeps too. Um, I don't know what. You know, the vacuum I can understand, right? Yep. It's loud. They don't like it. Yep. Um,
2: and it moves. So maybe some animals think it's like a prey or something that oh. they should attack it or okay.
1: something to play with because it's moving. Yeah. Uh, vacuum in cars, right? I mean, I don't know why they chase after the cars. <laughs> I guess it's because it's moving. They're trying to chase it right. away. That's exactly I don't right. know what they're going to do when they get there. Uh, and that, that kind of goes with uh, I had this written down. I didn't know if we were going to get to it, but I read something about why dogs chase their tail. And uh, do you know why they chase their tail?
2: I thought it was just kind of a neurotic, compulsive behavior.
1: Yeah, that's the main the main thing. I, of course, you always say we can't ask them. <laughs> hey, why are you chasing your tail? Uh, we can't can't know for certain. Uh, but they say that's the main reason we think they chase their tail. But did you know that there are certain breeds that you know are more predisposed to chase <clears throat> after their tail?
2: I'd, I'd be interested in that. I, I didn't know. This
1: I... article said bull terriers and German shepherds hmm. are are big. Culprits and I can chasing the terriers, their tail, but interesting. Uh, you know, they're they're very active, I guess, dogs, and they they like to chase things. And the tail is always there to chase. Well, them.
2: my joke is, you know, how we always bl- blame our parents for our negative habits. I think you just have to blame the pet owners. It's, you, all, it's you, all their fault <laughs> that the dog is chasing its tail. Right, they're so, not getting enough activity. So I activity. think the people need the behavior. Sure, of course, yeah.
1: I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we talked a bit earlier in the show about, uh, you know, how things have changed over the years as we sometimes do on this show and something you wanted to bring up today Dr. Lang was I, I guess the only way I can put it is controversial you know uh, things we used to do with with our pets that you know maybe we don't do them anymore uh, and I'm talking about like declawing cats or we do ear uh, crops
2: and ear, some breeds of the dogs or tail ear. docks and that right. type of thing and we call it cosmetic surgery and it has become a very, very emotional issue, and I don't know if we'll have enough time today. In my book that I'm writing, I am trying to write why it was done
1: before, so people at least have an idea. I'm not saying it's right, right. And it did <coughs> used to be common, right? You're like back, back in the day, this was a com- you know common thing. Did yep. people even think twice? Did they, you know, was there a faction out there back then even that said, no, we shouldn't be doing this? I don't know if it was rationalizing, but like ear cropping
2: and tail docking, that's when the animal is out in the woods, they'd be less likely to be grabbed by another animal if they don't have their tail or their most okay. of their ears are gone. And there, are, for some reason, no logic to it, there's some standards for each breed of animal cosmetic-wise or how they should look. Mm-hmm. And so if you're breeding a dog like a Doberman, the ears should be cropped, the the tail should be docked. And I believe on Dobermans, a lot of times you take the front claw off, too, the dew claw. Okay.
1: And so just, the, well, those know.
2: are just standards that were set, and you know nobody really thought too much about it. But now many more people are taking from a welfare point of view that it just isn't fair to the animal to have that done. So when did this
1: change kind of start in your I'd memory and your history? i say the last 10 history.
2: years because, oh, two or three years ago, I work in St. Charles County St. Louis County made a law that there was no declawing allowed. Sure, I and remember so I that. had it. I may have brought it up before. Had a fair number of St. Louis people that came out to St. Charles to have the declawing done.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you said there was a rationale for the dogs. I mean, was it true, or was it just people coming up with a reason and they and they really just liked the way it preferred the way it looked on the dogs? I
2: think, like the ear cropping, I think it was more that those large breeds like uh, the Doberman, Boxer, they want to make the dogs look more aggressive or mean. Mm-hmm. And maybe these were guard dogs or you have a farm and you need a dog to kind of guard the animals or not to have anything stolen. And I think you everybody would agree that a dog with upright ears is going to be more aggressive looking. Again, not saying it's right, mm-hmm. but that was the rationale before for ear cropping to make it more aggressive more frightening to a, a human seeing a pet in that form versus a Doberman, which many are nowadays, did not have the ears cropped and they just look a little bit more docile mm-hmm. from that point of
1: view. So it's a it's a more recent trend to stop this. You'd say now most of the time you would see them without the the ear cropping, right? Or right. the uh...
2: I would say before we didn't do a lot of ear cropping, but I did do ear crops, and I'd say we did the old six or ten a year, so it wasn't a lot but i probably haven't done one in two years your year cropping mm-hmm. and most of the breeds that sh- by breed standards should be cropped they're not you know they're not anymore. or maybe you just don't get a breed that that has those kind of characteristics is this
1: like a dog show kind of thing yeah. like they yeah. the, the 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 clubs the dog clubs well, that like the AKC, put on the show they they yeah. have
2: standards and uh, doberman if its ears aren't cropped they claim that there's nothing that they won't take any points away but I don't think that's the case. Oh, I you... think if you have two dogs that were identical, one had ears cropped, the other didn't. I think the judge would, and of course it's older people, mm-hmm. but so they're kind of set in their ways of judging. But I, I think the ear crop. But again, it's a dog show. You know, most people don't care about that, right? Unless you're into into showing your pet that type of thing.
1: Uh, now I know we've talked a, a little bit about how dogs can get you know ear infections. Does that help at all? Is that Is that the reason? You know, was there some reason Well, that was the next reason that, and I kind of felt the same
2: way, that the dogs that usually have ear infections have big floppy ears, and there's not much air that gets in there. And for years, and I probably still do, I tell pet owners that one of the reasons they get ear infections, the floppy ear dogs, is there's just not enough air to dry the ear out. And Mm -hmm. they claim now it's more the breed and not the the, uh, caricature of the ear.
1: Okay, you know, like, so like it's a, just uh, certain breeds are predisposed. A to... cocker
2: spaniel. If I had a nickel for every cocker spaniel that had an ear infection, I'd be witch. I'd just be. Did, did
1: they, and now do they? Be- because
2: you know, they're I'm just so do it, and of course them. they have the floppy ears. And so yeah. myself and a lot of other people thought, well, it's because of the way the ear was put together. But now people are saying it's being a cocker spaniel. It's not because of the ear. Are there any
1: other fl- floppy ear dogs out there that come to mind? That you know, I don't know. The last time I saw them getting an ear infection kind of the opposite of the cocker spaniel say that again you yeah, so other you yeah so it's dogs. not about, if it's not about the ear it's more about the type of dog right you know is there any type is there any breed out there that has a floppy ear that you know, it just doesn't get ear infections like you'd expect well to kind of
2: avoid your question a little bit is we think a lot of times ear problems are because of allergies oh, okay and so that kind of goes with it's more the problem of the animal and not that um so just the so way the ears put together so it's not an ear infection per se. The infection secondary to something else. Because a lot of times I'll treat an ear infection, people get mad. Yeah, I put them on the drops, and for 10 days everything's fine. The minute I take them off, it comes back. Well, it's not because it's an ear infection that that's the primary problem. because we're not treating
1: the underlying problem, so, which are allergies you know, in some cases. Yeah. Uh, so the ear infection excuse or reasoning also kind of Goes not to the side. really there, right? Yep. And we we focused more on the ears here, but they do it with the tails too. I mean, is there there wasn't any reason right beyond well they not the, wanting tail, the long get tail like
2: in the woods or the shrub or the tail wouldn't get caught sure. or a wild animal wouldn't grab the dog because there's no tail. Mm-hmm. But again, how many animals are out in the wild nowadays? Or right pets?
1: So I mean, now that you, now that this happens less, do we see more problems with you know? Tails getting grabbed out in the wild or uh, ears getting scratched? Uh. Well, the interesting
2: one is the answer to your question is a lot of dogs get what we call a happy tail,
1: mm-hmm. like the
2: Golden Retrievers, the classic one. It just gets so excited seeing anybody, and often the tail hits the, the coffee table or the TV or a chair. And after a while, with all that trauma, so to speak, with the tail wagging, they actually get a sore at the tip of the tail oh. and often an intermittent bleed. It's nothing life-threatening. But, you know, it's not very much fun having to come in at, after a day at work and seeing drops of blood all over the house.
1: Yeah, that's probably. I mean, I'm sure it's not great for the pet either. Right. Uh, I don't think. They're... And so
2: sometimes we will we do a tail amputation. We remove enough tails so when they wag the tail, it won't mm-hmm. hit and be a constant problem. I mean, I've tried to tape the ears, to co- I'm sorry, the tail to cover it so it won't bleed. But after time, you know, if they really are wagging their tail all the time, it'll just keep. Coming back, so what? What can we do? But, yeah. And to me, the tail amputation is is the, the way to go. Yeah.
1: Now we focus more on the dog side of things, but I know the decoy and for the cats. That's a big. That's probably that's the most emotional top, issue yeah.
2: it is, and the thing that I get. Again, this is all my opinion, but I get frustrated that a lot of people thinks it changes the personality or behavior of the cat, and I that part I don't believe. Um, in the past. We would actually take a scalpel blade, and I think that was more traumatic. Now we use a surgery that uses electric current, and it kind of cauterizes the blood vessels and the nerves, so I think there's less pain involved. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure everybody understands that a declaw, they have three digits in each, three bones in each digit. And we remove the outer bone. If you don't remove the whole bone, the claw is going to come back.
1: Right, because I think some people think, well, they're just taking the claw off, like you're trimming a nail. And I
2: think that's a lot of our fault because you start telling people, yeah, we're going to do an amputation. They're less likely to do it. Now, what can we do? Instead of concentrating, okay, people just want to declaw. We try to go through with them. Well, what if we trim the nails every couple weeks at home? Just trim the tip of the Mm -hmm. cat's nail. Maybe it won't be so sharp. And, you know, most people don't like the scratching of the cat, which is the normal behavior. Or do you put these caps on, but I've not had much luck. The caps you put on the tip end of the nail, uh, usually they'll last for 30 days. But to me, that's not the most pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think a scratching post is the most important thing to do with our cats.
1: Give them something to scratch.
2: Scratch on. The only problem I have is because I, being old myself, I have a lot of older clients and they can't handle the cat because they get scratched. And maybe there are medications where they bleed easily. Mm-hmm. So then what are we supposed to do with, with that?
1: You but know, is you, it one of those things where, you know, a cat is going to scratch, right? That's, you know, in their that's nature. It. You can't stop. You I see? mean,
2: people want, well, let's just stop them scratching. Right. It's it's an innate behavior that they're going to do it. And, of course, being in a house all day, you know, outside they would scratch on a tree or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, no big deal. But it is a normal behavior. They do it for marking. A lot of times they try to remove the outer part of the nail a little bit. And a lot of times they stretch when they do it, so it's kind of a loosening or exercise. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good reasons why they do sure. it. So there's no easy way to stop them from Well, stretching. so is it
1: one of those things where if you're not prepared to handle that or deal with that or, you know, then you, should, you shouldn't be getting a cat, right? right. To me, that's an, in my mind, right? There are certain animals I, where, you know... Hey, just part of owning a, you know, lizard is you need to have a big tank with lights. You you to be careful with the lamps. temperature, right. And I, it's like if I can't say, well, can we do something to make sure I don't have to do that? I would just not get a lizard if I didn't want to do that. But
2: how do you do that? That's one of my biggest things is how can we educate people before they get the pet? Mm-hmm. You know, they go to the pet store. Oh, my God, look at that lizard. They know nothing about it, but something mm-hmm. just sets them off. Sure. You know, come <laughs> to me first. You know, Yeah, <laughs> right. And, of course, that's not... Not logical or possible, but I wish there was a way to educate or maybe, you know, with my book, I try to tell the ins and outs or good and bad with each type of pet, and mm-hmm. maybe that would help a little bit. But how do you educate people? And that's that's one of the biggest yeah. frustrations that I've had or now, challenges. Now,
1: with the cat, is that also a recent, you know, ten last 10 years, you said with the dogs, that's about it is, is, yeah. did it all happen at once? Now, now we don't want to declaw cats either.
2: A short answer, yes. Short
1: answer, yes. Now, I have had a few
2: people, and again, they were older people, they had scratches, they had bruising, and I just went ahead and, and did it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I thought it was just scratching the furniture, I would be much more aggressive in telling them what things they should try first. But if they want to handle the cat, I I just felt that was the best. Because I get frustrated, why does the government have to intervene? I think it should be between the veterinarian and the pet owner mm-hmm. on this decision, I mean, no government official came to me. Hopefully, they did talk to some veterinarians, but I just feel like that this should not be a government intervention on these cosmetic surgeries. I think it's between the doctor and the pet owner, and if you try to explain everything should, the good and the bad, then Mm -hmm. I think the pet owner needs to make a decision on something of that sort.
1: But was there a time when this was happening too often? You know, maybe vets were just suggesting they would do it, you know, yep. every single time, every single dog or cat, it didn't matter. A lot
2: of times we just say, well, if you're getting your cat spayed or neutered, let's just declaw them at the same time. Mm-hmm. it will just, you know, one anesthetic, let's just do it all. And I think younger animals tolerate the procedure better than, than an older pet. If I have a 10-year-old 15-pound cat, which is overweight, you know, I'm a little bit more leery, at least in the past, to doing it. I think there's going to be more potential for side effects with a bigger
1: animal. Mm-hmm. Or older, right? Older. You, you know, you, they live their whole lives with these with right. these. Uh, well, I, I just medically speaking, they just
2: I don't think heal as quickly or as well as they they should. But yeah, it's like you say, all of a sudden they don't have them,
1: mm-hmm. and I think that's that's potentially a psychological issue. But yeah, I think it's an interesting yeah. topic. Uh, I think a lot of people now probably react just negatively to this to these things. Yeah, uh, I think
2: that's a good thing. But then, yeah. as veterinarians, we need to have other options offered to the people. We instead of mm-hmm. just saying we can't declaw let's let's try these other other options right i'm sure there's always
1: reasons it. where you know it might be medically necessary to do something like this right uh, that's
2: what i'm trying you said it very well but i just think some people they have some medical issues they already have the cat then i mm-hmm. i think that should be a be an option because yeah. with the type of instruments we use now pain medication i feel like after a couple of weeks the pets are are fine i i just don't think it causes chronic behavioral problems with them i just don't agree with that but like so many things it becomes very emotional and it's hard to be logical i have my ideas you have your ideas it's hard to come to agree or compromise with
1: with everything with everything Uh, all right we'll take our last break here animal talk on the big 550 just about 247 we'll be back in a minute animal talk on the big 550 on ktrs
5: Save big on American-made furniture during the Miller Furniture and Mattress Grand Opening Celebration Sale going on now through November 30th.
4: I'm Mark Miller, owner of Miller Furniture. Our American dream began in 1927 in Belleville, Illinois, and now we've grown to four convenient locations. Celebrate and save during the grand opening of our new Fairview Heights showroom all month long.
5: Shop the largest selection of solid wood American-made furniture for huge savings on all in-stock items. Plus, Flex Steel, Smith Brothers, and Amish Furniture Custom orders. Stop by early and save big with early bird exclusive offers now through November 12th.
4: Like $1,000 off the Flex Steel Sky Sectional in stock or $1,000 off an Amish-made Live Edge table set. Plus, when you purchase a Chatham and Wells mattress, you'll get a free Haley mattress from Spring Air or a free adjustable base for the whole month of November.
5: Don't miss the grand opening celebration sale at Miller Furniture, your American-made furniture headquarters, now on both sides of the river.
4: What? Every business could be a victim of fraud. Small businesses especially need to be on high alert. Many of the big employee retention tax credit mills have been shut down by the IRS due to compliance issues and outright fraud. Hi, I'm Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor at Capital Advisory Group and the author of the number one best-selling book on the new tax law, Keep What's Yours. Since 1976, thousands of area businesses have relied upon Capital Advisory Group to help secure our clients' most sensitive tax data while helping them get their financial plans in order, reduce their future tax liabilities, and stop overpaying their federal and state income taxes. And if you have not taken advantage of the employee retention tax credit or have been told you you don't qualify because you didn't lose money during covid then let our team of experts work to see if you qualify under one of the numerous other rules give us a call at 636-394-5524 or you can visit us on the web at capitaladvisorygrp.com.
0: join your saint louis symphony orchestra as violinist randall gooseby the talk of the classical music world makes his slso debut with corngold's lyrical violin concerto then, Christian Reif, another rising star, conducts two pieces with turbulently rousing folk music at their core Dvorak's Seventh Symphony and Kapralova's Rustic Suite. November 17th through 19th at the University of Missouri St. Louis's Two Hill Performing Arts Center. Tickets at slso.org.
4: This Jennifer and Wendy announcement is brought to you by BetterHelp. I'm Wendy Weiss. I'm Jennifer Blome. This time of year can be a lot. It's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. I mean, maybe you've lost a loved one or you're away from your loved ones. Therapy can be a real bright spot in your life amid the stress and all the change. It's something that can make you feel grounded and, best of all, give you the tools to manage everything going on in your life. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You simply fill out a brief questionnaire, and BetterHelp will match you with a licensed therapist. And it's possible to switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot J-N-W.
0: Animal Talk returns on the Big 550 KTRS. Here are Dr. Dan Lang and Dr. Katie O'Brien.
1: Welcome back to Animal Talk on the Big 550 KTRS with Dr. Dan Lang. I'm Connor McCarthy and dr lang you said you listened in during the week where we we did talk a little bit about some occasionally people like like to see how
2: the other guy or gal is doing so i'm kind of spying a little bit people like
1: to talk about their pets so it does come up in the regular day-to-day uh and it got mentioned and i had a note of it i didn't know if we would get to it uh about the wet nose uh debate you know what is 't it it's an old uh, kind of wives tale right or urban legend you say uh, you know yep. if the, the wet the nose is wet
2: they're it's healthy they're if it's healthy dry, right and if it's dry
1: sick. then they're sick uh, yep. now I don't is there any truth to that does that make any sense a short answer no <laughs> but when I was doing my research after spine on one of the other
2: shows they feel like there are some sweat glands in the nose like in the foot pads and so a wet nose does help if the pet's a little bit overheated.
1: Okay, so because again they don't have yeah. sweat
2: glands throughout their whole body, it's just the, the nose, the edge of, end of the nose, and uh, the feet. So, See, I
1: remember that when we were talking in summer when it was hot. Right. You know, they they that's one of the only places they actually can sweat.
2: And some of the articles I read or looked at said that the, it enhances the sense of smell. That if you have a wet nose, molecules that the animal will detect. Detect for odor will be easier to do because it's close to the nostrils. Okay. So it's kind of a way of sucking all the smells out of the air and concentrating in them, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word.
1: But there's no problem with the dog no. if the nose is dry, right? That's it's a all, big deal,
2: but nothing yeah, is the bottom Yeah, that's, ridi- <laughs> that's
1: all ridiculous. You don't need to worry about it. Uh, Tell the
2: staffers they need to get better questions. He, he, with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Well, we had that one question about you the, know. Uh, you know, kind of the splotches on the nose that we talked yeah. about last week, and, you know, eh, not, not re- it could be something, but probably not, right? Right, so right. that. There's probably a lot of things like that, you know, because uh, a lot of people are, don't really know a lot about actual, you know, right. pet health things. So you see something, you're like, oh, my God, my pet's nose is dry now. It was wet yesterday. Yep. Is, something, is something wrong? I don't know if, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know." But So that's why you should listen to this show, right, because well, educate up and yourself pieces. a little yep. bit. Or if you're not going to listen, you should <laughs> – at least go ask your vet or dr <laughs> Lang uh, you can email him dlang seventy one at outlook dot com or call him six three six two seven eight zero four eight
2: five I just interrupt real quick Connor I've always told my pet owners I'd rather have you overreact and come in and not be anything than mm-hmm. let it go so I'm fine if you have questions but I'm certainly fine to answer the questions because some of them I can answer without seeing the pad if it's a general question like, is there pigment on the nose? Sure. Is that a problem? Is the wet nose, as we've talked about, and that type mm-hmm. of thing. And but I'm
1: sure that, you know, if, if for stuff like that that's real visual, you might be even get by, you know, hey, can you take a picture yep. of this and, you know, send it to me? And, uh, oh, yeah, this is fine, or, oh, yep. this, is, this is a problem. Especially during COVID, we did a lot of that. Still do because people kind of got the idea. That, it, that yeah, it's, that's
2: the it's, way it's easier, done. more convenient. Yeah. Let's let's just send a picture and mm-hmm. go from
1: there. Well, I'm sure there is some some truth to that because everyone talks about how much of a pain it is to get their pet yep. into the car, or into the carrier, to get to the vet, right? So if you can do it over the phone or with a you know, uh, you know a picture or a Zoom call, they, you know, that, that is easier yep. for a lot of people. We are starting to
2: do some telemedicine, which kind of fits with that. Mm-hmm. That get the animal and the human on screen
1: there and yeah take a look at everything right and I, I i know you've always said that people can always be you know take collecting uh you know samples for you know blood samples or, or yep. uh, stool samples for the vet themselves i don't know how many people do that but uh you said that they can and that is a help for for you guys yep. so it's just that the animal's less stressed
2: so the results are probably more accurate mm-hmm. without the anxiety of dragging the animal to the animal hospital so there's sure. some positive if if you're a brave soul Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and you know i'm sure that you you guys like it too and uh the the the, the pet owner comes in and is asking questions and is more knowledgeable because you know eventually they'll come back again and this time they'll know more about what's going on with their pet it's better to know more than to just, just like in anything right than to just be like you know Well, I don't know. It's probably fine, right? Or I don't know. It's probably not fine. Or God forbid, you go on the internet and type in symptoms, and then it comes back that it's cancer. They're going to die in twenty-four hours, right? You know, oh my God, it's it's terrible. I typed in that he's tired and uh, scratching. It's you know, it's 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 cancer. Right? Uh, You know, I'm sure it could be. You know, I'm sure there is something that could be, but it's not likely. So it's better to just. Talk to the, you talk to the people that know, talk to people, you know, that do this every day. They know what's going on, right. and you know I don't. You know you don't. You, the listener, not you, Doctor Lang. You <laughs> know what's going on. Uh, <laughs>
2: well, I would say we have to treat the pet owners as well as you the got. Pets. A, that's you got my model. So I, you got if you treat learn bull. anything, that's that's what it's all yeah, about. That's what it's all about.
1: Yep. All right. Closing up shop here for Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, you'll be back again next week, Dr. Lang. With I'll have Leanne back Leanne with to me. We'll I'm actually, chip chip. I'm actually going to be out of town, so it'll just be you and Leanne. So I'm sure that'll be a good show. I'll have to tune in from my. uh Well, actually, I think I'll be on the plane, so I don't. <laughs> I won't be able to tune in. But could I'll, you ask
2: the pilot? Maybe they could.
1: Maybe they uh, can pipe it in throw, <laughs> uh, over the sound system. Uh, all right. This has been Animal Talk on the Big Five Fifty KTRS. I'm Connor McCarthy, Dr. Dan Lang, as always, with me today. We'll be back again next week at 2 o'clock. Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.